Welcome to the John DePietro Show on 1380 AM and 99.9 FM. News Talk WNRI. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. Turtle Boy, the blogger, back in court. This is all connected to the Karen Reed case. Very serious, though, as the judge has revoked his bail. Up to 90 days in jail. Aiden Carney had his bail revoked this afternoon. It happened right before our 5 o'clock newscast. This is video of him being taken away this afternoon in handcuffs. Boston 25 News reporter Jason Law live outside of Dedham District Court tonight with the accusations that landed Carney behind bars. Jason? Vanessa, this is a copy of the abuse prevention order that was filed by the accuser in court this week. She says that Aiden Carney threatened her and assaulted her after he found out that she was going to testify in front of a grand jury. Forty-two-year-old Aiden Carney, better known as Turtle Boy, walked out of Dedham District Court in handcuffs. Minutes earlier, a judge revoked Carney's bail and ordered him held at the House of Corrections. Carney is accused of shoving and threatening an ex-girlfriend after prosecutors say he learned she'd been summoned to testify in front of a grand jury. Special Prosecutor Ken Mello said Carney went over to the woman's house Friday, just hours after Carney had been indicted on 16 felony counts related to witness tampering and intimidation in the Karen Reed case. He is a manipulator. This, this defendant is a manipulator. Uh, anyone who has any knowledge of his activities, the way he approaches uh, uh, witnesses, etc., knows he manipulates. In an abuse protection order, the victim wrote, Carney told me that if I did not work with him and show him my phone or let him look through my phone, that he would have no choice but to have his attorney destroy me on the stand. At Tuesday's hearing, Carney's attorney played an audio recording that he said is evidence Carney's ex-girlfriend was the one threatening him after she took his handwritten notes and wouldn't give them back. Carney's attorney said the woman's accusations are a complete fabrication. This is an unstable person who is deranged and is not to be believed and has lied in, in that affidavit. The courtroom this afternoon was full of Turtle Boy supporters who actually had to be told to be quiet a couple of times. The judge says that Carney will be held up to 90 days at the Norfolk County House of Corrections. We're live outside Dedham District Court. I'm Jason Law for your local station, Boston 25 News. All right, now. Several different facets to this. As I've stated in the past, I've communicated with them. Uh, I enjoy a friendly relationship with them. This has gone into a different level. No, no doubt he's getting a lot of publicity out of it. I don't think he wants to be locked up. I don't think he wants to be behind bars. Um, there's, there's several different facets to this. Some of the people, some of the, his supporters, they see corruption everywhere. Everybody's corrupt. The whole system is corrupt. Everybody's corrupt. I don't believe that. I want to come back to the very um, the, the the main portions of this case, and that is that I believe, I believe, Karen Reed is, and as we've discussed in the past, probably overcharged 
but was behind the wheel and was extremely drunk and unintentionally uh, killed John O'Keefe. What has happened, I, I believe that. I don't believe her version of events. I don't believe her story. I believe it was created by her defense. And the thing is just, you know, now going wild. I want to remind people it's an alternative theory. The theory of this police corruption, which I don't believe, I think this is, you know, reminiscent, as I've said in the past, of if you believe that Mark Furman planted the glove at OJ's. That's an alternative theory. That's what they're trying to put forth here. So I don't believe corruption uh, exists at all different high levels. But he has really gotten himself um, that this becomes dangerous when you get your bail revoked. Now you're behind bars. And who knows how long it's going to go on. I don't know what to make of this situation with this woman. Uh, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know exactly, I don't know the nature of their relationship, what this was all about, but when, when you're in court on Friday and the judge is warning you about witness intimidation, and the next thing you know, you're with someone potentially who seemingly is a witness who's going to testify, and then there's some kind of back and forth, that's problematic. I also want to remind people, if people would feel this way, there's, there are murder cases uh, all the time where there are then allegations that maybe some people that are with the defendant, connected to the defendant, are trying to intimidate witnesses in the case. I wonder if people would feel this way. If, let's just say there was a murder in Roxbury, and there was someone, uh, some people were witnesses to uh, you know, the alleged murder. How would people feel if there was someone going around trying to intimidate those people from testifying? I, I think um, people are tending to look at this in a vacuum. And I think you have to back up from this. But uh, I don't know. There doesn't seem to be a win here. Being locked up for the next 30 days minimum does not sound like a good development. Again, I recognize there are some people, they see conspiracy everywhere. They see corruption everywhere. Blah, blah, blah. I don't, I don't view it that way. It seems very black and white. But I think this is another reminder. When you get on the path where you're in front of judges and there's bail and there's certain provisions set up, listen, it's, it's serious business. This is, this is a murder case. This is, you know, there's a lot of careers that are hinged on this. I don't believe all these individuals that just they just immediately go towards oh the whole system's corrupt everybody's corrupt all police are corrupt I think that's ludicrous I think that's a um, a low intelligence uh, way of looking at that suddenly you just come off like a conspiracy nut that everybody is so tough development for Turtle Boy folks you're listening to the John DePietro show. <laughs> need a good plumber? I found the best plumber. JMB Plumbing. Call them today. All your plumbing needs. 401-743-9153. JMB Plumbing. They've been providing plumbing services for years. Skilled professionals stand behind their work. Guarantee you will be happy. 
Maybe it's repairing damaged water pipes, repair clogged pipelines, maybe replace a, a water heater, as well as all your plumbing needs. Call them now. It's JMB Plumbing, 401 743 9153. Nothing throws off your life or your home or your business. When you need plumbing service, you need someone reliable, someone who's professional, someone who'll handle the job and do it right. It's JMB Plumbing. Call them today, 401 743 9153. JMB Plumbing. And look for them on Facebook. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. All right, let's go through a little crime watch. Uh, North Providence police seeking information regarding the uh, recent homicide. Here we go. At approximately 3 p.m., the uh, North Providence Police Department was contacted by uh, the victim's brother um, that he had not heard from his sister approximately uh, since Thanksgiving. He then went down to 30 Centerdale Avenue, where his sister resides, to check on her well-being. From there, he peered into the window and observed his sister lying on the living room floor. He called the police department. We responded down there. Officers also uh, observed a female lying on the floor and made entry. The female is identified as 61-year-old Claire Flynn. Detectives then came on scene, processed the scene, collected evidence, and the Rhode Island Medical Examiner's Office's office was notified. <clears throat> on Thursday, December 21st, the Medical Examiner's Office did an autopsy and deemed this a homicide. As protocol, the agency contacted the Attorney General's Office, where we met with them and took the necessary steps. We then went back down to the residence, uh, conducted a very thorough uh, investigation, and went through the home, collected numerous amounts of uh, evidence, including her cell phone, bank records, credit card activity, and receipt from different stores. You know, but right now, they are, um, that's all they have. I mean, this is, uh, they don't have anything on this, as a matter of fact. So those are the basic facts. She did work as a nurse at the ACI, retired in 2021. But they, um, they're not sure exactly what, I can tell you, what happened with this one. This one uh, is an unknown. Now, granted, we'll see if, in fact, uh, sometimes bank records can obviously show things, who she was communicating with, with the cell phone. To have, you know, uh, want to come over, I'm home, whatever that may be. But right now, this uh, police don't have anyone. Now, continuing crime watch. East Providence, there was someone shot. Providence, both investigating the same shooting tonight. This is video from Benefit Street in Providence, where police responded to a man with a gunshot wound to his leg. He was taken to the hospital. It turns out police believe he is the victim in a shooting that happened at the Hull Street playground in East Providence. Detectives are investigating. The victim's identity has not yet been released. So shot in East Providence and then found on uh, Benefit Street, which is right there in Fox Point in Providence. Now, Providence has had another homicide, a stabbing early Wednesday morning. One dead, one injured. 
Adelaide Avenue. That's right in the Elmwood section where uh, police responded. They do have someone in custody, but early morning that will make the city's, according to my notes, 14th homicide of the year, which it may sound high. But it's actually, um, it's way down from a couple of years ago when um, I think it got into the mid-20s. So, but this um, still investigation is ongoing, but this was early Wednesday morning. Here we go. Serious injuries, we're told. Police also say a suspect was arrested on Public Street a short time later. And they are investigating whether that man is connected to the family of the woman who was killed. Police believe that woman. They are investigating an early morning homicide. A woman stabbed to death at a home on Adelaide Avenue around 5 o'clock this morning. Police tell us a second person was also stabbed at that scene. That victim being treated for serious injuries, we're told. Police also say a suspect was arrested on Public Street a short time later. And they are investigating whether that man is connected to the family of the woman who was killed. Police believe that woman is in her late 20s or early 30s. We are working at this hour to learn more about this case. We'll bring you any updates on air and online wpri.com and then later at noon okay good job by uh, well, we are Jana and kevin goodbye but good job by channel 12 um with that story so folks you know very very odd that morning that hour of the morning five o'clock in the morning someone is two people stabbed one apparently fatal but it sounds like providence police acted quickly and then they um, have someone in their sights. So it's tough. Uh, the the um, crimes, various homicides have definitely been a little bit of an ebb and flow. But woman stabbed to death this morning in Providence. That's um, very, very serious. I hate to see that any time, let alone right around the holidays. But it does sound like they do have the person in custody. And as I said, uh, but two people stabbed inside this apartment. We don't know that much about the um, the second individual, but um, very, very serious. So that's a little bit of a look at some of the crime watch. We're going to obviously uh, continue our coverage. Um, we will resume on the scene live stream coming up in the new year. But as of right now, three different incidents, three different communities in Crime Watch on the John DePietro Show. AJ, drywall, plaster, home improvement. Call them today for a free quote. You can also find them on Facebook, 401-323-9252. 323-9252. AJ, drywall, plasters, home improvement. Frame to finish basements. What a difference it'll make in your basement. Acoustic ceilings. Look how beautiful your ceiling could be. New homes, additions. Also, commercial rehabs, painting, remodeling. Contact them today. It's a family-run business. AJ Drywall Plaster Home Improvements. Call for a free quote. What a difference they'll make in your home, your ceilings, floors, basements. 401-323-9252. What a difference. Beautiful walls and ceilings. 401-323-9252. You can also find them on Facebook. It's AJ Drywall Plaster and Home Improvements for your home or business. This is John DePietro. I want to wish you a happy new year. And all this week, 
we're going to be looking back some of our top segments, uh, guests and various things that we had this year, the year of 2023. Here's another flashback of one of the top stories. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. Accusations of voter fraud. Bridgeport, Connecticut, right next door. This is a mayoral candidate challenging mail ballots. They held a press briefing. Listen to this. Of applications. An unprecedented number in the city and possibly the state. This trend, coupled with the State Election Enforcement Commission's recommendations regarding the misuse of absentee ballots in the city's 2019 mayoral election, has raised serious concerns about the potential for abuse in the absentee ballot system. On primary night, our campaign was victorious at the polls, with a stand of 470 votes based on incoming results. However, as absentee ballots were being tabulated, our lead dramatically eroded, ultimately resulting in a 2-1 loss margin with an ultimate election difference of 251 votes. Such a drastic shift in results raised red flags as they've had in the past. Today we are holding this press conference because we have gathered evidence indicating voter suppression and absentee ballot fraud. Multiple complaints have been filed with the State Election Enforcement Commission, including the most recent and irrefutable piece of evidence, an incriminating video for City Hall security footage showing Wanda Jita Paskey, the Vice Chair of the Bridgeport Democratic Town Committee, the District Leader of the 136, and a City and the city employee of Bridgeport depositing absentee ballots at 999 Broad Street. Ms. Gita Paskey's involvement in this election is deeply concerning. She has been named in various complaints across many districts related to harassment, bullying, promises of Section 8, rent rebate, groceries, just to name a few. A few. She was recommended by the State Election Enforcement Commission to the state's attorney's office for criminal investigation in reference to the charges regarding alleged misuse of absentee ballots in the 2019 primary election. Given her position and actions, there are legitimate questions regarding the integrity of the Democratic Town Committee. Moreover, her current alignment to the Ghanem administration raises concerns about their knowledge and involvement in these alleged fraudulent activities. Our campaign believes that the integrity of our democratic process must be upheld, and we are deeply troubled by what appears to be voter suppression and absentee ballot fraud. We call upon the State Election Enforcement Commission to conduct a swift and comprehensive investigation into these allegations. Based on the compelling evidence at hand, the numerous complaints received, and the concerning personal interests involved, we are left with no choice but to seek legal remedies. Therefore, we will be petitioning the court to file an injunction against the primary election results, which have yet to be certified by the Secretary of State. This step is essential to prevent potential tainted results from being finalized. Furthermore, to prevent further abuse of absentee ballot system, we will be seeking a restraining order against the distribution of any additional absentee ballot applications from the town clerk's office. It is imperative that the upcoming election process remains untainted and free from undue influence. In addition, we are calling upon the state police to take immediate action 
We believe that the 2019 recommendation for investigation should be pursued vigorously to ensure accountability for any wrongdoing. Looking ahead, we advocate for supervised elections managed by the Secretary of State's office. This should extend to any senior building, private or public, that has more than 20 residents registered to vote. No one, I mean no one should be allowed to enter those buildings to collect ballots. Supervised elections will provide an additional layer of security and transparency, reassuring the voters of Bridgeport that their voices will be heard and their votes will be counted fairly. We will call upon all relevant authorities and institutions in this state to take these allegations seriously and to act swiftly to protect our democratic process. Finally, this campaign is going all the way to November and will continue to campaign towards the general election. Bridgeport needs new leadership. Now, I want to commend that individual. Folks, again, that's Connecticut. And I want you to compare it to what happened in Rhode Island, where you have Senate Minority Leader Jessica De La Cruz, who, with as an ostrich head in the sand, just said, no, I, I think that our election system, I, I have faith in it. I mean, I won. I mean, that what you're hearing and this story is breaking open surveillance video of the Bridgeport ballot box box drop box center of the lawsuit. Um, these are people that are taking action. These are people that are demanding accountability. And the, the fact of the matter and it's getting press attention. You know, here they don't have. And I want to play this is a uh, TV report on um on what Calling I just played for you. Here it is. John They held a news conference to discuss a video that's going around on social media. The video shows Mayor Joe Gannam, a staffer of Mayor Joe Gannam, appearing to deposit multiple absentee ballots into a ballot drop box outside City Hall. Gannam was behind on votes during the primary Tuesday night, but won the absentee ballots by a two-to-one margin. We're demanding that a full investigation is brought upon what we saw in the video. It's very clear that she is committing absentee ballot fraud. And the city says it is looking into the allegations of breaking election laws and how the video was obtained and made public. Meantime, Mayor Joe Gannam says, quote, the matter in its entirety has been referred to the chief of police, along with appropriate officials for review and investigation. I have full confidence in the chief, the department and the appropriate agencies to handle the apparent illegal actions of any city employees as it involves the release of any city property, including video footage and any related legal or city issues so look at that what he tries to do the mayor is go after who who leaked the video but that's now again at least they're taking action and the election was stolen without question it was and it sounds like they have the video proof but what i like is at the very least they're trying to put a shine a light on it and draw attention to it as opposed to, as I've mentioned, in Rhode Island, that Senate Minority Leader, Jessica De La Cruz, the Senate Minority Leader, ostrich head in the sand, 
Oh, no, I, I have total faith in our system. No one has faith in our system. Well, and then her reaction. Well, I mean, I won. So I wouldn't be up there if I didn't win. Yeah, we know that. The problem is no one else is winning and no one is winning statewide, Senator. You just can't. It, it would be tough to be more clueless than that. All right, here's another report on um, the Bridgeport, Bridgeport scandal. A mayoral candidate claims there was ballot misconduct during last week's primary election. John Gomes' campaign released what appears to be surveillance video of a woman dropping absentee ballots into a box. NBC Connecticut's Jane Caffrey joining us now with more. Jane, he's calling for a new election, right? And that's right, and that's as the state election commission is investigating. Incumbent Mayor John Gainham declared victory in the primary, but now, due to video, reps for John Gomes campaigns that they are taking legal action to stop the certification of the results. I actually saw the video last night, and that was very disturbing. It's getting the attention of some voters in Bridgeport. What appears to be edited surveillance video from September 5th before the primary election. Mayoral candidate John Gomes' campaign released it this weekend, saying it shows a city employee making several drops into an absentee ballot box outside the government center. In Connecticut, it's only legal for a few select people to handle someone's absentee ballot. Yep. I am concerned, and as a citizen of the of Rhode Bridgeport, Island, it's unlimited. I would like answers as to what that individual was doing. NBC Connecticut has not independently verified this video, but Bridgeport police say they are investigating. Our calls and messages to the woman who appears in the video have not been returned. Bridgeport's tired to see the continuation of violation of our civil rights. Gomes said Monday whether or not he wins, he's seeking a new primary to ensure a fair election. Incumbent Mayor Joe Gannam also released a statement saying he does not condone actions which undermine the integrity of the electoral process or city property. The public is correctly concerned um, and outraged. The Secretary of the State is now urging the State Election Commission to move swiftly with their investigation, which could take a year. It's not the first time the SEEK is investigating a Bridgeport election. In 2019, the commission looked into possible absentee ballot irregularities, also in the Democratic primary race for mayor. There are complaints from 2019, and now we are looking at 2023, where we have a November election coming up, so we would like this fixed now. And another aspect of this incident, Bridgeport police say that they're conducting an internal investigation to determine if there was any breach to their security and video management. Mike Keisha. You know, again, folks, it comes out of the mail ballots. Mail ballots uh, just invite fraud. I also want to remind you, Rhode Island has even more lax regulations and rules than Connecticut does. Something this is insanity. We know there's cheating going on. Eliminate it. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. When it comes to insurance, you need a neighbor, a partner, and friend. You need Shoppa Insurance Agency. They're located right on Reservoir Avenue in Cranston. Call today. Free consultation. 401-900-INSU. 401-900-4678-SHOPPA Insurance. SIA, Stephen, very experienced, whether it's auto, home, renters, business insurance, flood, recreational, umbrella, any other protection for your assets, Rhode Island of Massachusetts, Shoppa Insurance Agency, 
your agency of choice. Call today, set up a meeting. They're so knowledgeable, can have everything under one roof. Call Shapa Insurance today, 401 900 INSU or 401 900 4678. Look for them on Facebook, again, located Reservoir Avenue in Cranston, Shapa Insurance Agency. Your neighbor, your partner, your friend. One stop insurance solutions. This is John DePietro. I want to wish you a happy new year. And all this week, we're going to be looking back some of our top segments, uh, guests, and various things that we had this year. The year of 2023. Here's another flashback of one of the top stories. You're listening to the John DePietro Show, AM 1380, 99.9 FM. So Friday, <clears throat> Friday night was a, a series of events. Now, all of these videos are up on the website, dipietro.com. But I was at an event, Roads of the Patuxent in Cranston. It was actually St. Paul's School 100th Anniversary Gala. So I was there, having a nice time, seeing a lot of my classmates, Sue Hawkins, Kevin Gaines, John Mountain, um, various other individuals. My sister Donna Perry was there. All different types of people who went to and attended uh, St. Paul's School. So anyhow, but then my phone starts kind of blowing up, so to speak, that there's an incident in northern Rhode Island with Boroughville police. And that they're going after a suspect. Now, the first information that I received was that the suspect had fired at police. Now, you didn't know if this was on the highway or later. I think it came over the uh, police scanner that it was Route 146 where this has happened. So I have people that monitor. They're feeding information. So that's different. That's unusual. Uh, a suspect uh, fleeing police after firing at law enforcement. And as, as we know by now, that set off a chain of events that lead to this, indivi- this individual, excuse me, Michael Pinto, known to law enforcement, Gloucester, Burville, and going along. And is one of those individuals, or was, who would just refuse to pull over for law enforcement. Now, folks, it, like many of you, um, it's not that difficult. You're riding along, and as someone that... You know, we I ride with police sometimes. So when they activate the lights and the siren, you pull over. If I'm on the road and I see a rescue behind me or police coming through, I, I pull over. Basic rules of the road. This is an individual who wouldn't do it. And apparently there was some kind of encounter on Thursday that he, he would not do it. And so then they spot him on Friday. Now, again, he's had run-ins with the law. They know who he is. And this is an individual seemingly that would exploit that police sometimes would then go into a no-chase policy instead of, it can be very dangerous, chasing someone around back roads and things like that, and then you're endangering other motorists. So he seemed to be aware of that, exploit it, if you will. But then on Friday night, he was then getting caught in traffic. So police went to arrest him, stop him. We didn't know that he was traveling with a 17-year-old daughter, apparently, in the car. He starts aiming his, using the car as a weapon and going right at the Burville police officers. So, you know, someone's coming at you in that manner. 
Burville police have a very good reputation, excellent chief, Chief Lynch. And, you know, you, you don't hear a lot of reports that they have to uh, fire, draw their weapon in the first place, let alone fire. And this was a situation where someone's coming at them. So they did. Now, we don't know to what extent at this point what injuries were sustained either by the individual or his daughter. But then he starts barreling towards the hospital. So it's very possible that I believe the daughter sustained some kind of a gunshot wound. We, we don't know if he did as well. But then he's still not stopping for police. And then he has this encounter with the Providence police. <clears throat> They're aware of the vehicle. They spot the vehicle coming off, um, I believe, Route 10 into Dean Street coming off of uh you know and that would make sense you come flying down 146 and then you're taking i don't know why you wouldn't just continue to the hospital exits but maybe he saw state police up ahead whatever but anyhow we don't know that they're still investigating but he ends up there and then now he's behind women and infants hospital and now think of think of that and think of the people going in and out of that hospital uh, think of any hospital, but especially women and infants. You have women that are about to give birth. You have people in and out who did give birth. Now you're leaving with an infant. And this is where this guy is riding recklessly. He's up on the sidewalk. <clears throat> and then he's backing his vehicle um, very recklessly and dangerously back towards the police and back towards a nurse who is either coming out of the hospital or entering the hospital. And then that's when Providence police did fire. Two of them did fire their weapons and then fatally struck the driver. So I attended. Now, all of this is on DePetro.com. I attended the press briefing they had on Saturday where they had Attorney General Peter Narona. They had the Providence police chief, Oscar Perez, did a very good job. And then also had the chief of police of Burville. And I think the three individuals did a very good job laying out what happened, how it led to that. There was some questioning from a member of the media who was questioning, well, what's the chase policy and what speed and going to something like that. <clears throat> now, folks, again, it's um, you have to look at what led to the situation. There was, granted, early on. It's possible there was some miscommunication in the transmission from from the dispatcher over the police radio. And I'm going to say the dispatcher, but from someone, it was unclear if the suspect returned fire at police or was just fired upon police. True. Then they came back on, I believe, and and said that it was more of the... um, that the suspect had not fired. It was it was the police, but the the way they're using the he's using the vehicle, and if you have someone who's willing to run their vehicle right at a police officer, at anyone really, but a police officer, that as I was the the, the car is a weapon, the car is a weapon. So there there was one member of the press who was trying to press it. Well, what exactly is this? You know, chase and charge, folks. It's happening in real time. You're dealing with obviously someone who is. Um, considers the basic traffic laws almost as a nuisance 
and <clears throat> acting and operating a vehicle very erratically and very dangerously. And, and especially if police had not acted in that manner. First of all, you also have a passenger. Keep in mind, you have a 17-year-old. Your child is in the vehicle with you and you're behaving this way. It's so beyond the pale. It is very puzzling. I admit it's very, very puzzling and troubling. But I think police were put into a very, uh, very dangerous, difficult situation. And, and you know, what did Boroughville police want to do? They, I'm sure they wanted him to just pull over the way he was supposed to. But it did not go that way. But I thought all in all, all members of law enforcement acted very effectively as a unit on Friday night. Again, all the video from Friday night outside the hospital and the press conference uh, on Saturday at the Providence Public Safety Complex. It's all right there on the website, dpetro.com. Folks, you're listening to The John DePetro Show. This is John DePetro wishing everyone a very happy new year. Big challenges ahead in 2024, presidential election. And as we all know, a state on the brink of collapse. Hopefully 2024 will be better for the people of Rhode Island and our nation than 2023 has been. Thank you for listening and happy new year. Propane Plus, call them today. Heating and cooling in Rhode Island, 401 885 4209 in Massachusetts, 508 252 3359 for Propane Plus. Three generations you can always depend on Propane Plus for all your heating and cooling. Call them today, 401 885 4209. Three generations, they're available 24 7 for service and delivery, and they're going to serve you for a very long time. They have a great user-friendly website. You just log on at propaneplus.com, and then you type in your zip code, residential, commercial, propane plus, heating and cooling, always there for you. Give them a call today in Rhode Island, 401-885-4209, in Massachusetts, 508-252. 3359 the johnson family three generations heating and cooling you can always depend on propane plus this is john DePetro. i want to wish you a happy new year and all this week we're going to be looking back some of our top segments uh guests and various things that we had this year the year of 2023 here's another flashback of one of the top stories you're listening to the john DePietro show it's am 1380 99.9 fm now remember you can always visit online go to the website dipetro.com we have a lot of stories up that are generating a lot of talk uh, especially about the aci and then also the uh, scandal in east providence i want to point out folks the um the boston globe rhode island they do such a good job uh, they just have a different formula, and it's working, and it is just destroying the Providence Journal. But there's two stories out of it that I want to draw attention to. One is, so we had heard, I had heard about someone with the Warwick Water Division had been arrested. All right, so that's news. And they said they assaulted another employee. Well, they now finally, the Globe um, has the story. What happened was, there's an old joke. 
And there was an episode apparently in The Office uh, that I'm going to I'll find where you you go up to someone and say, hey, you want to hear a Nazi knock knock joke? And then the person says yes. And you say, um, Viva Lashti questions. And you slap them in, in the manner of that type of voice, almost like from Hogan's Heroes, Major Hostedler. So you say to someone, do you want to hear a Nazi knock knock joke? And they say yes. And then you slap them. Boom. Viva Lashti question. So that's what happened. <laughs> They were talking about the office, and that's where then that um, came about. So, but the person that that filed the report and one of the the people that was there said they call it a, a KGB joke. And um, if they had seen the episode, and then they it's told in that way. And so, but you you don't say they're claiming that, and apparently the person was Jewish. So, and and the 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 person that was hit also said the slap was like a four out of ten with an open palm. Now they say something to the effect of "I'm a Nazi" and gets asked the questions. That's that's actually not what they say. They say, "Would you like to hear a Nazi knock knock joke?" And then the person said, "Yes." And then you say, knock, knock, who's there? And then you do the slap of V-Velastic questions in, <clears throat> as I said, like the Hogan's hero voice. But but you don't say, it has nothing to do. So the person, <laughs> the um, the person who he told the joke to, is apparently Jewish, and so they're claiming that it's it's anti-Semitic for them to do that. So I want to play. This is what it it stemmed from um, the Office, which became. I mean, it's a great show, but then once it went on Netflix, and then people could really binge watch it and everything, it became even that much more popular. But here's how it was on the Office. Yeah, that's no problem. Yeah, sure. Uh huh. Knock, knock. I'm on the phone. I know you are. Knock, knock. You can fax it over. Yeah, 570 555 0175. Thank you. Bye bye. It really makes us look unprofessional. They would never know it was me doing it. Here we go. Knock, knock. Who's there? Buddha. Buddha who? Buddha the spread for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I, I need something to wipe my head. Yeah, there's, there's butter that on my desk. Nothing. It was a classic. I got a knock-knock joke. No. Okay, God. Michael, please, 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 please. Please let me. All right. Knock-knock. <clears throat> Who's that? KGB. KGB? People ask the question. What the hell was that? What are you doing? What are you what doing? Are you? Hey, hey. Stop it. Stop it. it. Like hey, it. come on. What are you doing? Not as part of a hilarious joke. Well, it was retribution. What are you doing? No more knock-knock jokes. That's it. Ding dong. Who's there? KGB. I get the door. I'm not answering Answer the door. Ding dong. No way. It's yeah, KGB. Ding dong. I'm not answering that. Yes, you're going you to answer it. it. I'm not going to answer it. I'm not going to answer it. It's the KGB. The KGB will fit for no one. <laughs> it's true. 
Now, that's what they're doing it off. All right, so the office changed it to KGB. But when I first heard it told, it was from Ricky Gervais. And it's, do you want to hear a Nazi knock-knock joke? Knock-knock. Who's there? Slap. Viva la question. So um, Dwight actually did it pretty well with his, they change it to KGB. <clears throat> let me um, let me play that again in just the the Dwight part. He really nails it. And he's got the accent. And then Jim picks up on <laughs> KGB is at the door ringing the doorbell so here's the um let me just play here's dwight no okay god michael please 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 let me all right no no who's that kgb kgb what the hell was that what are you doing what are you doing that's where it comes from so now go back to the situation with the globe and so this guy does it at the Warwick um, water board, I think, and <laughs> slaps the person. Warwick Water Division chief. But he doesn't say, via the Nazis. He, he's acting out the KGB joke from the office. Terry DiPetrillo, no relation. And spelled entirely different. He was charged one count of simple assault. <laughs> August 10th. I want to tell the KGB joke from the office. Knock, knock. Who's there? Slap. Viva la He does it just like that. But apparently they do it under the KGB thing. So the guy got arrested. Work police asked to come uh, to headquarters. They had been talking about the office. Steve Carell. KGB joke and kind of acts it out and next thing you know the guy's under arrest alright folks but anyhow this story is in uh, today's Boston Globe you are listening to the John DePietro show This portion of the program is brought to you by the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Pop in and see them, whether it's for lunch, nice weather, you can sit outside on the deck, or maybe sit in the dining room. Delicious food. Then they also have a great full bar, large dining area, and you're going to love the lounge. The Lodge Pub and Eatery. People rave about their delicious, consistent, great food and also the great staff. I'll see you at the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Wishing you a very happy and safe, healthy new year. Thank you for listening and supporting the John DePietro Show. Big challenges ahead in 2024. And again, Happy New Year to one and all. This is John DePietro. I want to wish you a Happy New Year. And all this week, we're going to be looking back some of our top segments, uh, guests and various things that we had this year, the year of 2023. Here's another flashback of one of the top stories. You're listening to the John DePietro Show, AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Well, don't look now. But boy, right now the uh, how about Foxborough is set to start to house 
migrant families that are coming over the border. So this will put them even that much closer to the Rhode Island border. Let's pick up. I believe NBC 10 has a story on this. 100 migrant families moving into a hotel in Foxborough and 2 million in federal taxpayer dollars has been secured to pay the bill. The 19th Leanna Falk is live in Foxborough after getting reaction from locals. Leanna. Amateurs, town leaders in education, health and transit are all working together here to coordinate on these new arrivals. I don't have a problem with it. I don't have a problem. They have to have a plan, but I don't have a problem with it. While the state of Massachusetts continues to deal with the large number of migrants coming to the region. I don't have a problem with it. I know they've got to find a solution to what's going on. The town of Foxborough is preparing to house nearly 100 families at a local hotel. Step up to the plate. And Foxborough actually has a habit of doing that. Acting town manager Paige Duncan says they'll be arriving under Governor Healy's right to shelter law, which means there's no need for local approval. Healy declared a state of emergency earlier this month to address the migrant situation. And this week, she secured $2 million in FEMA funding to help aid the new arrivals. And now, Foxborough is one of the communities required to provide a helping hand. I think they will be welcomed, and certainly it's a safe place. The town isn't spending taxpayer dollars. However, it is required to educate migrant children. Hopefully, at a point in time, if they get the capacity to work, that we can find employment for them so that they can move on beyond staying in a hotel. Some residents tell NBC10 they welcome the idea and their families with open arms. This town, actually, folks, one of these town is, uh, I, I feel it's pretty safe. They're very kind, open their hearts to you, open their homes to you. So, I hope that that's the way it's going to be. Others share their thoughts on social media. One user writing, quote, let's take care of our own. Many of our senior citizens can't afford day-to-day expenses. Another one writing, we must support the world, I get that, but we must start at home. We don't kick and boot. We say, how can we help? Officials haven't identified which hotel will be used, but families will start moving in beginning as early as next week. Live in Foxborough, Leanna Falk, NBC 10 News, 19. Right to shelter. This is a voting issue. Now, that's a, a good young reporter from NBC 10, but it's uh, there's tremendous reaction on Staten Island in New York, where they don't like the idea of this at all, especially uh, where they were you know, moving a bunch of them in. So for this type of thing, I believe that this is one of those issues. Maybe people don't want to go on camera and maybe they don't want to have everyone seeing that they're not in favor of it. But I think this is a voting issue. I think there are many people that are uncomfortable with this idea, this, you know, right to shelter that Governor Healy is doing, which I'm sure then Governor McKee would pick up. By the way, as far as Governor McKee, we're also learning CBS, that's 500 Rhode Island workers are losing their job. Initially, they said 200. It's actually 500 and could increase even more. But I think one of these, I'm anxious to see if there's going to be any type of protests. Uh, There's been tremendous protests in uh, New York City, as I said, Staten Island. And the idea that somehow everyone is on board with this and welcome them in and so forth. That's what people say when, okay, it's 100 people. But what happens when it becomes 10,000 and then 20,000? People start to, I think, they feel much, much differently. Folks, you're listening to The John DePietro Show. Wishing you a very happy and safe, healthy new year. Thank you for listening and supporting The John DePietro Show. Big challenges ahead in 2024. 
And again, Happy New Year to one and all. It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland, diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant. Stop in and see Marie, that historic white church. Shop local, inside, all quality products, vitamins, herbal remedies, trusted companies. They understand quality, integrity. It's My Health. It's all about your health, local products. I say honey, maple syrup, beef fresh gum. You know, they carry over 250 bulk herbs, teas, and spices that can be purchased by the ounce plus box herbs and teas, hemp and CBD products, and much more natural skincare products. Stop it and see Marie at It's My Health, 1099 Mended Road in Cumberland. It's all about health for you, for your family. There's vitamins for children, all different types of teas, all different types of spices. Boy, what a difference it'll make. Shop local. Stop it and see the queen of health. It's Marie. And it's my health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant. Right in that historic white church. It's all about health. It's all about your health. And it's my health. This is John DePietro wishing you, your family, a very happy new year. 2023 was an interesting year. A year that we saw the state total decline under Governor McKee and also the nation completely under attack at our borders. And the ill-suited Biden policies. Hopefully, 2024 will be a better year. And see a return to true leadership in the White House. On Smith Hill, not much confidence. Not with this governor. Nonetheless, happy new year. And thank you for listening to the John DePietro Show.